he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Uh, you know, this verse, this, as the flat reading of it, tells us that uh, we were God's and he named us. We are his before he ever went to the cross. In verse 2, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel. My Savior, I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Sabriah for thee. Since thou was precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore, I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, get up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even every one that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. I believe the title of this study, God's Care for His Children, is brought out very clearly here in the uh, 43rd chapter of Isaiah. The simplest way to know whether you are one of God's children is to examine your life in light of God's redeeming grace. You know, most people, if you ask them, they have got the reason. They know I'm, I'm saved, I'm saved. And they'll tell you the date and the day. And, uh, you know, and uh, I was baptized and what I've done and all this. But when we look at the word of God, I can look at John chapter 10, you know, in verse uh, 27. You know, where God says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I can know that I am a child of the king, and you can know whether you're a child of the king by who you follow. We know what a person's character is. If we follow them and see who they associate with, who their best friends are, what they do, I mean, you know, it's... Uh, very clearly that uh, but if we want to really understand God's care for his sheep then you must believe the word which God has spoken because that's how we know that someone cares about us now note with me in John chapter 12 
John chapter 12, verse 47 and verse 49, uh, you know, as we look here. John chapter 12, verse 47. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me, rejecteth me and received not my words, have one that judge him the word that I have spoken. The same shall judge him in that last day, in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. Now, when we look at these three verses, we can know that God cares for his children because he tells us, if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. You know, that lost person that remains lost, he's cast into eternal hell. And yes, he, one day he'll stand before God as a saved, and his life will be flashed before him. But he doesn't have to judge whether he's saved or lost. I don't think if you be honest with yourself, and if a person's lifestyle is strictly worldly from the time, you know, they're big enough to make judgments till they die, you know, we don't have to wonder, you know, it's between them and the Lord. But I believe that God makes it very clear here in verse 48, he that rejected me and received not my words have one to judge him, the word that I have spoken. That word which we preach from, the word which we study and read and we come to listen, that's the word that judges us. There's not going to be a, another set of judgments. This, this book, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So, if you have the original transcript in the Hebrew and Greek, that's the exact words of the Lord. So if you have been given, and I use that word particular, if you have been given understanding of God's word, then you are a recipient of God's grace and will therefore understand what great grace he has provided for his children. Now, and I believe that uh, the word of God tells us that. Now, notice still in the book of John, but the 14th chapter. Turn over to the 14th chapter, and we'll begin here with verse 15. God said, if he loved me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comfort, that is, that he may abide with you forever. And that, of course, the Holy Spirit. And that's why we, we read or quote that verse so much. You know, it's if 
were saved, Jesus said, you know, I give you the Holy Spirit. He shall abide with you. Every one of us in this building, every person that you know, if they're saved, the Holy Spirit indwells them. God said, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comfort, that he may abide with you forever. From the time that God saved me, the Holy Spirit is in me to guide me, to comfort me until my last breath is taken or he takes the rapture. He said in verse 17, as we look, you know, that uh, when God tells us uh, something, he says in verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. You know, for a long time, I often wonder, you know, you sit down one-on-one with an individual and you tell them how to be saved, you tell them what God says, or you try to teach somebody, but if they don't have the Holy Spirit in them, they cannot receive it. And we said, you know, what will it take? It will take the Holy Spirit bearing witness. So, you know, we get aggravated. We said, oh, there's just the rebellious. But when a child, you know, and all our children are perfect little angels, but, you know, when we honestly, we know that children alike, they draw and they rebel. And the more they rebel if they have not been taught. But this here teaches the same principle when he said, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. A lost person cannot receive the fact that he cannot save himself. Nothing he can do will save himself. But when the spirit of God bears with, with you, then he says, because I see him not, whether neither know him not, but he know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. You know, I've had people ask me, have you you ever seen the Holy Spirit? No. Sure haven't. But he lives within me. That's why that the word of God makes sense to me because I have a personal teacher of the Holy Spirit who teaches me. You know, I read, but he'll never teach something that I don't read or don't hear. That's why that we worship. That's why we say, read your Bible or read a devotional book. You know, apply yourself because when you do and you say, it don't make a lick of sense to, <laughs> to me. The gospel didn't make a lick of sense to me until God saved me. You know, it, it was silly for a preacher to get up and say, you know, Christ died for you. He's buried for you. He rose for you. Man, I was born then. When was was the Lord here? See, we can't understand that until the Spirit of God enters us. Then it all makes sense. Not because of you, not because of me, but because the Spirit of God is inward in us, leading us, guiding us, directing us. So we see here in John 14, and uh, 
God said in verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live. You ask me how I know he lives, he lives inside of me. I don't see him, but I know he's there. God said here very clearly in verse 20, At that day ye shall know that I am the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. For he that hath my commandments and keep of them. He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him. Which tell us we can take that very scripture and bring it into a natural setting. It makes no difference How much I love my wife, if my wife doesn't love me, that marriage will not work. It will not work. Now, you can have a great companionship, and everybody can say, man, that was a blessed marriage. But, you know, we cannot continue day by day serving God unless that spirit is inside of us. And every one of us that is saved, He lives inside of us. But the flesh is constantly battling. So are we going to submit to that small, still voice? Are we going to take it on the human side? Well, this is the way I see it. And that's how most people or a lot of people live. I'm going to do the way I see it. I see it, you know. You, You may not. But if I'm in the spirit and Sister Brenda's in the spirit, we're going to have maybe some small difference. But as we call the main stuff, no. God is not going to teach her the universal church and teach me a local church. It's not going to happen. Because God does not teach error. See, we, that's why that when we study the Bible, if we just study a couple verses, you know, uh, somebody, I believe it was Brother Tom, a year or so ago, he gave me a subscription to a little book. It's got a, a little study. I think it's God to the glory, and they have the daily bread and all of those. And they're good books, you know, good way to start your day off. But that is that pastor's explanation of what those verses mean. And if you just read them because, well, that's a a pastor wrote that. But it may be true, but it may not be all true. And I say that because I read this morning's, you know, and uh, this Baptist preacher out of Austin, Texas, they, little book I did, they put his name and his church, and he says, you know, that 
God died on the cross of Calvary, but you decide whether you want to accept that or not. Humanly speaking, everybody will say amen. But biblically, God chose you before the foundation of the world, and that is why you, on your particular day, will choose him. Why would a flesh choose godliness? It won't. The flesh will always choose the flesh because it's our enemy. My spirit inside of me does not have a heart problem. The spirit inside of me does not have a blood pressure problem or kidney problem. It's the flesh. And that flesh is going to do everything it can to keep me out of the spiritual realm. But God said, if you have been given understanding of God's word, then you are a recipient recipient of God's grace. And that's what John 14, 15 through 21 teaches us. You see, when Jesus left this world to return to the Father, he sent us the Holy Spirit to comfort and guide us also, to take care of us in times of trials and tribulations. Let's look at John 16, just a couple pages over if you're still there. John 16, verse 33. The Lord said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye may have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Not might, not maybe, shall. I don't care how spiritual you get, how much you love the Lord, you are going to have some problems as long as you're in this world. Because why? The world has a curse on it. As I have a curse, this flesh is my enemy. So God said, these things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. You notice uh, the word might? But what people do, we want somebody saved so bad that we may tell our daughter, and maybe that's why my children are not as, you know, I tell them because I don't lie to them. If you think that our every problem you've got going to leave when you get back in church, it won't happen. Because the closer we get to the Lord, the more the devil works on us. But he that is in me is mightier, stronger than he that is in the world. So it's, it's just a matter of who does Tony yield to. Because he tells us here, these things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might, I underline the word might, have peace. In the world, ye shall. It's possible for me to have the peace. If I yield to the Lord, I'll have peace every day. But he said, he said, in the world, he shall. Not might, 
he shall have tribulation, but be a good cheer, I've overcome the world. So when the world attacks you, what do you do? Do you fight back? Or do you say, Lord, you said it was coming. Now I need your grace. And that's easier said than done. It's easy to preach it. It's, it's easy because it's the truth. But that old body is fighting as hard as it can fight. It is imperative that God's children seek the understanding given by the Spirit so that they may distinguish God's voice from the false ministers of light who attempt to distort God's word. So it's imperative that we seek his understanding. Now, God tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, notice here, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says here in verse 14, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose ends shall be according to their works. Now, verse 15 is a very important verse, but when you read that or when you quote that to somebody, they come back with something like this. So you think Baptists only ones that have the truth? No. No. I sure don't. I don't even believe all of them do. But I tell you what I do believe, when God said, Therefore it is no great thing if the his ministers also be transformed into the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to the works. We have a lot of false preachers in the pulpits today. And the only way you can tell whether me or the man that follows me is of God or of the devil is does he prove to you from the word of God, leaving it in context, then if it does, and you reject that, you're asking for the wrath of God. Because God is not, you know, he doesn't have certain people that he says, I'm going to let you get by with this, I'm not going to let you get by with this. Every one of us is saved, is expected to believe the word of God. Now, when we look at uh, Acts 
20. 29. Look at this little verse. Acts 20, 29. For I know this, that after my departing, what he's talking about when he said, when I am crucified and I draw back to glory, he says, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. So he warns us. And if you take every scripture and and the way you interpret that, you let scripture interpret scripture. I don't believe you can take one verse and make a doctrinal statement. If one verse says it, it's true. But scripture interprets scripture. So... God's children are warned that they must cry the spirits. Isn't that what 1 John 4, 1 says? Cry the spirits. In other words, if somebody says, the Bible says that, the Spirit of God led me, will the Spirit of God lead you to believe one scripture which is contradictory to another scripture? No. He just does not do that, will not do that. God tells us, and still in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3, you know, and 1 John chapter 4, verse 6, you know, we, we just see all of these scriptures that teaches us what God, you know, in 4, 1 uh, 1 John 4, 1 said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. You know, he is telling us ahead of time. You've got to prove. What do you prove? Whether I agree with it or not, or this is what I believe or not. No, what, what they're teaching, what am I teaching? Is it Bible? So he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but cry the spirits whether they are God. See if, if it's not any contradictory from that scripture to what the rest of the Bible teaches about it. That's why that if a pastor or Sunday school teacher is really going to teach and going to preach, they've got to study the word and not form a lesson on one verse. This same book, verse 6, God said, We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. See, if I'm saved, I'm of God. And when the Spirit of God teaches me, I hear what he's saying. But when someone says, I don't care what the Bible says, I'm not doing that. Well, I mean, that's just, Rebellion, and God will deal with you on a separate basis, you know. First John chapter 5, verse 3, said, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments 
are not grieve you. When God said, do this, it's not grievous. It's not because we've done something wrong. It's because God said it. And he wants us to do it because if we follow God, we benefit. So, finally, the children, God's children, will save themselves a great deal of needless worry if they accept the assurance given in God's word, especially for them. Now, we just want to look at a few verses. You know, when we look at First John chapter 5, you know, we see that God is telling us this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We know, we know, we have been taught, we, we, we believe that, you know, about every sound preacher, you know, teaches that to their people. And if you read First John's, you know, chapter 5, it says 21 short verses. And when you read those 21 verses, what you will see is that if we ask anything according to his word, we can't expect to ask God for something that is not in the word and get upset if he doesn't answer it. He's not going to answer it if it's against the word. In Philippians chapter 1, you know, in verse uh, 6, notice what, what, what the Lord says. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, we need to understand that, that... Uh, God does not start something in you and then leave you. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, right? So the moment that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, he never left me. Now, when I'm not in fellowship with him, I don't feel his presence. If we don't feel the presence of God in his house, most of the time it's us. James chapter 1 and verse 17. Let's uh, look at what God tells us. James chapter 1 and verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift. Have you ever wondered what was the difference between God's good gifts and his perfect gifts? Now, when he gives you a perfect gift, it's going to draw you closer to God. Good gifts will help you, but it's more of, I believe, uh, I need this or I want this, and it's not harmful. So God allows you. 
But that perfect gift is if he gives you understanding, if he saves you, you know. I'm sure all of you, if you read your Bible, study your Bible any, you have came across that verse and you don't remember anybody preaching on it, but it blessed you because God took that verse and he took it to your heart. See, we grow individually. So God tells us here in James, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and come up down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Now, if we go ahead and read verse 18, we know why God sends those gifts. Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth, and we should be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. In other words, when I read the word of God and I understand it, that's a gift from God. It's not because I've been saved 50-some years. It's not because I'm pastor. He gives me understanding that is going to draw me closer to him. When we look at 1 Peter, when we look at 1 Peter, you know, uh, <coughs> chapter 1, beginning with verse 3, God said here, First Peter chapter 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. I don't know what he's got reserved for me, but it's going to be the most glorious thing I've ever seen. Then he said in verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith. And salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. But notice, I've heard people, how you doing, brother? Oh, I'm just doing what I can to hold on. It sounds good. I don't argue with it. But the reason I'm holding on is because God is holding on to me. And the reason I can, because I'm kept by the power of God through faith. See, there's all that power out there that God wants to keep Needle and Linda and Judy and Jean and I just name every one of them. But we got to get attached to it. We can't just draw on that power when we got something special to us. God wants me to be a light seven days a week. And sometimes we got to... What is in me that would cause that not to shine bright? You know, it's, it's just uh, we got to understand that. Who are kept by the power of God through faith. 
See, so what you believe does make a difference. But I've heard people say, as long as you believe in Jesus, nothing else matters. <coughs> it doesn't. It doesn't matter whether you're sprinkled or baptized. It doesn't matter whether you have open or closed communion. It doesn't matter whether you do this or do that. God's word says, who are kept by the power of God through faith and salvation ready to be revealed in the last day. See, that's salvation. I didn't do anything for it. I just accepted it. And when the Lord tells us here in verse 3 through 5, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is according to to his abundant mercy. I've begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I mean, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 is a powerful verse because it tells us, blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is according to his abundant mercy, have begotten us again into a lively hope. By, by the resurrection. That's why it's important that when Jesus was crucified and put in that earth, that he was in there 72 hours, three days and three nights. Because it says, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, if Jesus can't follow those instructions, I don't have no hope that his death is going to save me. And then in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, this is one that we would, you know, will make life easier if you, uh, you know. And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God to them that are called according to his purpose. Is that all things or is it certain things? You know. I think everything happens for a reason. And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God. So when something happens and we said, that's that's no good. Well, I told uh, ones over here earlier, you know, I went out this morning and stopped the car and let it run, and I come down, you know, I got my arms full of everything, and a pot of coffee, and I opened the door, and, you know, it fell in my seat. It fell on my coat, fell on my pants. You know, if I smell like Folgers, if you like Folgers, that's great. If you don't, stay away from me. But, you know, but me having to stay there a little while, did it keep me from being in an accident? I don't know. But I believe that the all things is exactly what he means. All things work for the good of those who love the Lord. I don't believe in accidents. You might, and, and I'm, you know, you have the right, and I'm certainly not going to, argue with that but uh, 
as we close here in Romans 8.31. Now I will close by asking you this question. Do you know that all things work together for good to them to love God? Can you believe that? If you can believe that, then quit worrying and give God the glory for a truly precious gift. And that gift is simply for he has made you to be his children. So he said in Romans 8.31, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Long as I'm sure that God is for me, it makes no difference who's against me. Because God has never met an enemy he couldn't destroy. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for the privilege to be here.